these are my disciples, my followers, let them go. I'm the one that's going to pay the price. I'm the one that's going to die on the cross. I'm the one that's going to go to jail tonight. I'm the one that's going to be beaten tonight. I'm the one that's going to go through six fixed I'm the one. So if you're looking for me, here I am. Let them go because he was covering them. Welcome to Wesley Amy Zion Church, where we're working the vineyard through faith, worship, witness, and service. Today's message is entitled, The Power of Knowing Who You Are. Let's go into the worship. Scripture that was read by Bishop Starnes in the 18th uh, chapter of the Gospel of John. The 18th chapter of the Gospel of John. And beginning at verse 4, you will find these words. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he had said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Amen. 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 I want to share this morning from the subject of the power of knowing who you are. The power of knowing who you are. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful Father, we thank you for another day. And God, we thank you that you continue to have us on this life's journey. God, we ask now that you would bless this time that we share in your word and in your presence. And I pray, Lord, that you would overshadow this vessel. Use me for your will and for your glory, Father. Fill me afresh, O oh God. Anoint me afresh. Use me, O oh God, until you have used me up, Father. And God, I bless you and I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. But God, we also ask that you would open our ears and help us to listen. Open our eyes for we want to see Jesus. And open our hearts that we might receive him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Blessed Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The power of knowing who you are. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I don't know who you are anymore? You're wondering, who is this stranger in the mirror? Who is this person that I'm looking at? And you probably heard people say that I have, I have to find myself or I need to get in touch with the real me. Even if you haven't said those words or you haven't heard anybody else say those words, there comes a time in all of our lives we wonder who we are as a people. Individually, we wondered who we are. Or maybe you wondered, who am I becoming? But when you think about this thing, we're simply talking about self-knowledge. Self-knowledge is a powerful tool. However, knowledge of oneself is in God, and God is more important than simply knowing yourself. But knowing who you are in Christ Jesus is one of the most important things you'll ever find in your life. I came across uh, a study that was done by Dr. Kim Ong, who says 
Self-knowledge is knowing yourself intimately. It involves knowing your thoughts and feelings, how they came about and how they influence your behavior. It is about understanding your needs, desires, motivations, beliefs, views, and values. In short, it is about knowing how you, how you tick and what makes you tick. The question is, do we know what makes us tick? As an individual, do you know what makes us tick? But listen to why he says self-knowledge is important. Self-knowledge is important because it helps you to understand yourself better. Though, uh, through better self, through better self-understanding, you are more able to be in control of your own life. You can then make life happens rather than life happens to you. Amen. We know what happens when life happens to us, but we rather make things happen. It is vital and important that we not only know who we are, but we also must know who we are in God. Knowing who we are enables us to operate from a place of control and communicate with a power as well as fulfill our life's purpose. I made some observations from the text and I want to share these observations with you to hopefully help us to understand why it is so important that we know who we are as a people. First of all, it helps us to control our problems. If you notice in the text that Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, who are you seeking? They answered Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. A problem is what we consider a question or a matter involving doubt or uncertainty or difficulty. But we understand that God is sovereign in all things. He not only understands all things, he knows all things. And if you look at the text, you saw it immediately that Jesus controlled his problem. How did he control his problem? Because he knew his destiny. He said he knew all things that were concerning him and that were going to happen to him. When we understand who we are, we can also be a part of that control process that helps us get to our destiny. Now, we can't control how we are, who we are as far as going to that destiny, but God determines our destiny. But we can control how we make it to that destiny. There's sometimes when we go through life challenge, we go through life with problems. And because we have these problems, we start facing issues in life. But how you face the issue is what really matters. In the text, it tells us that Jesus went forth out of the garden. He went forth to his problem instead of running from his problem. That should help somebody right there. Because sometimes we run from problems instead of facing our problems. How many of you know when you run from a problem, when you turn around, it's still going to be there? We used to run from our situations because we didn't know any better. We ran from our situations because somehow we thought by osmosis that it was going to change by the time we got back around to it. But only to get back to that problem to see that it's just as big as it was when we first left it. To see that it was still there facing us when we got back to it. But Jesus didn't run from his problem. He confronted his problem. He went out and faced his problem, which was this cohort that had come to the garden to get him. Now, let me help you understand here. It says they came to get Jesus with torches and lanterns. They came to get Jesus with weapons. They showed up with a cohort. And in case you don't know what that is, about 600 soldiers showed up. But it also says with officers from the Sanhedrin Council. But they showed up to get Jesus. Why would you send such a force to get one man? 
Hallelujah. Maybe they knew what they were up against, but I dare say they didn't know what they were up against. But they thought Jesus had enough influence and enough power behind him that there was going to be a problem in the garden. But he's only in the garden with three other people. And here they are showing up with almost 700, maybe possible 800 men in a garden to pick up one man named Jesus. But instead of him waiting for them to come and get him, he steps forward. Now, can you see our Savior? I'm going to show you how bad Jesus is. He shows up in the garden by himself, steps forward to about seven, eight hundred people and say, who are you looking for? Yeah. Oh, y'all, the, the, Bishop, they don't see it. They show up. And you, how many of you would do that? Stand up and walk outside. We'd be sitting out there. Tell him I'm not here. Uh-huh. Show <laughs> he said he's show not him. here. Can I, can I get out the back show door? Him. We'll be trying to make our way out the back door instead of going out to meet them. But Jesus stepped to it because he knew who he was. He stepped to it because he knew his destiny. And because he stepped to it, he went out to his problem instead of running from his problem. And what that did was put him in control of his problem. See, we got to learn to control our problems, learn to control our situations. He didn't let his situation control him. There's so many times we allow our situation to control us. I got money problems. So what? Don't let it control you. I got relational problems. So what? Don't let it control you. If you get to let your situations control you, then you're out of control. And Lord knows we've seen some folk that are out of control. We've seen people with lives that are out of control. And there's some folk whose lives are out of control, but they don't even know that it's out of control. We got to learn to understand that we have to let ourselves be in in charge of our situation and not let our situations be in charge of us. Too often we let our situation control us. But if you know who you are, you're able to move with authority. We talked about that a little bit last week, the authority. And we talked about having that place of authority. And our authority comes when we're connected to Jesus Christ. But we got to understand that we're able to move with authority when we know who we are. I don't know about you, but you ever went somewhere and you saw somebody walk in the room and they just had such a presence about them? Yeah. And you looked at them like, are they somebody? Or yeah. who, they, they think they somebody. <laughs> the way they walked into the room. Mm-hmm. That's because somebody know who they are. The next time you walk into a room, all eyes ought to be on you. Why? Because you walk in and know who you are. Yes. When you walk into a place knowing who you are, nobody can tell you anything mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. We run into some of them folk, haven't we? Yeah. We walk in and you can't tell them nothing. Amen. They thought they were all this and all of that and a bag of chips to go along with it. We got to understand that we sometimes must walk in the authority that God has given us. He knew who he was when others questioned him. Mm-hmm. Who are you looking for? We we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. They weren't sure who he was. There are four people in the garden. Now, which of these four is he? Now, one of the other gospels tells us that Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Mm-hmm. Showing who he was. But Jesus, again, he steps to the front of it and takes control of his problem and takes control of his situation. And he begins to know who he is, even when people question who he is. How many of you had somebody question who you are? They question you as a person. They they question your ability. They question you. And if they question you, you got to know who you are. Because if you live your life with other people having questions about you, you'll never get anywhere. But as long as you don't have questions about yourself, as long as you don't have questions with who you are, how would Jesus ever make it to the cross at Calvary if he had questions about who he was? Am I the son of God for real? Or or is that just something that they told me? Am I really the savior of the world? Or are they just trying to get me to do something that they don't want to do? 
But because he knew his destiny, because he knew all things about him, because he knew his father and he knew his father had sent him on the mission. I know who I am and I know who I'm connected to and I'm going forth in my destiny. I'm going to walk out of this garden and meet these men head on. I know they outnumber me, but I'm going out to meet them head on. I'm going to take control of my destiny. I'm going to take control of my situation. And Z, you got to learn to know who you are because if you don't, People, even when they don't know who you are, they'll perceive you as a threat. Mm -hmm. A lot of times because people don't know who you are, they perceive you as a threat. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. That's why some folk look at you like they do. Yeah. They're not sure yeah. what your motive is. They're not sure what you're up to but because they don't know you. But as long as you know who you are, as long as you know yourself, don't worry about them. And I, and I, I wondered then when I started thinking about this, because he says he stepped to his problem and he says, I'm going to show you how he says he knew who he was. When he stepped to his problem, he says, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go back and you have a different version of the Bible, you might see that the he is in italics. That wasn't in there. So he basically accepted and said, I am. I am. And in case you still don't understand or still don't know, bitch, I know you know, but in case the rest of them don't know, what he simply said was, I'm God. Yes, sir. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all still ain't getting it right. Yes, when somebody stepped, you'll say, I'm God. Well, maybe y'all wasn't from that culture, so you don't understand it, but they understood that when he said, I am. He was simply saying, I'm God. Yeah. When God steps to your problem, oh, you're missing it right now. God steps to your problem and says, I am. I'm all that you need in the midst of your situation. I'm all that you need in the midst of your trouble. I'm all that you need. That's why that song is so valuable. I'm all that you need. I'm all that you're looking for. I am what you're looking for. All I want is you, God. Why? Because I know that you're all I need. And because you're all I need, I know that you can step to my problem. You can step to my situation and defeat the battle for me, God. I don't need to fight this battle. Why? Because you're able to fight it for me. When I know who I am, whatever troubles come my way, I step forward and meet it. Why? Because I know who I am and I know who I belong to. I know who I am in God. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. We saw a movie on yesterday and I, I, as I was watching, you know, sometimes you as a preacher, sometimes you're looking at things through different eyes. And, and even as I began to look at that and I saw it and, and as I was thinking about the message at the time and it began to point out something to me because of, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Napoli Ever After. Amen. The lady was having some issues with her hair. Amen. Now I know you ladies, y'all like y'all hair being tight and right. And amen. Amen. But she lived her whole life trying to be perfect. Her whole life she lived with long, flowing, beautiful hair. And one of the scenes they showed is she woke up before her boyfriend woke up and went to the bathroom, got her hair together, and came back and laid down. <laughs> because she wanted her hair to be perfect. Then there's a flashback to a scene when she was younger. She had that long pressed hair, Sister Starnes. You know how it used to be back in the day. Mama, get that straightening coming. Straighten it out. And as she jumped in the pool, her mom said, no. And when she bobbled up, her hair was all frizzy. She said, Mama, what would I have been that day had you simply put your arms around me and said I was beautiful? But instead, you pulled me out of the pool, put me in the car, and took me home. Only to find out years later, you're still trying to be this perfect young lady. And one of the reasons the man said he wouldn't marry her because she was too perfect. Can you imagine that? He said, it's like being on a first date with you all the time. I don't really get to see anything different about you. And I started thinking about the message in my head. I'm saying, she didn't know who she was. She was letting other people tell her 
who she was. She was letting other people dictate to her who she was. But by the end of the movie, hallelujah, she discovered who she was. By the end of the movie, she's at her engagement party with a man she probably really don't want to marry. And she decided, you know what? I'm going to jump in the pool. And she just went and jumped in the pool and enjoyed herself. With this man that she was supposed to marry, looking at her crazy, like, I was supposed to marry her, and she's out here acting a fool. <laughs> her friends jumped in the pool. Her stuck-up mama, her daddy pushed her in the pool. <laughs> she was finally free to enjoy herself because she finally discovered who she was. It's important that we know who we are because it helps us to control our problems. But then I discovered something else through the text in verse 6, it says, now when he has said this, I am he, they drew back and he fell to the ground. It also helps us to communicate with power. Mm-hmm. You ever saw somebody who wasn't quite sure about themselves? And they, they talk kind of timid. And, yeah. you, know, they, well, you ask them a question, they were, well, I, mm-hmm. yeah, well, they're not sure who they are. Mm-hmm. What do we usually do with people like that? You don't want to be bothered with them, do you? No. <laughs> but then there's another person who knows who they are. Amen. Now, sometimes they can get on your nerve, too, because they, they know who they are. They're going, yeah, I know who I am. I just, you don't know who you're talking to. But the thing we have to understand is his knowledge of himself empowered his voice. Because I know I belong to God. I know I'm God's son. It empowered him. And it should empower us when we know who we are. We can speak up and we can talk up because we know who we are. I am so glad. And so glad that God showed me one day who I was. Yeah. I have gone through my life, and you talk about this shy and non-communicative person. That was me. This right here, you would have never got out of me. <laughs> this right here, I was getting as far away from it as I could. And as I think I've told you before, that Easter speech I had to give, it wasn't but a few words. But I didn't want to do that. That wasn't me. And most children don't. I know. I've been there where you've been. We feel you. Most of us in the room have been where you've been. We know what it's like. But you're going to need it one day for somebody to encourage you to stand up and then say, Happy Easter. (laughs) Jesus is alive. Because one day you'll be able to stand before people say, Jesus is alive. This is a glorious Easter Sunday morning because Jesus is alive. Why? Because you found your voice. There's a power on the inside of you that has started to come up out of you, and you're able to communicate through that voice of power. Why? Because you know who you are. And he, he communicated with divine power that came from his father. Now, it says in the text that when he spoke, they fell back. Oh, hallelujah. When they fell back, why? Because he spoke with such power. Do you remember Lazarus when he was in the grave Mm -hmm. and Jesus spoke and said, Lazarus, come forth. Mm -hmm. And I know you've heard by now that he couldn't have said, get up. (laughs) He couldn't have just said, come forth. He could have just said, rise. Why? Everything in there would have got up. (laughs) So he had to be specific because he was speaking with such power. And because he was speaking with such power, he had to be specific and call Lazarus by name. Because if he would say anything else, whatever was dead in that garden would have got up. Whatever was dead that was in that graveyard would have gotten up. But because he spoke with power and he spoke directly to Lazarus, Lazarus was the only thing that came hopping out of that tomb. And when we understand that God is speaking with power here through his son, Jesus Christ. So we got to learn that our voice will have power when we know who we are. 
Because I know who I am and because we know who we are. But do you know who you are in God? Have you taken the time to discover who you are in God? Have you taken the time to discover who you are as a person to really know yourself? You see, we want to understand this. We can impact the world. Yeah. Now, he impacted these soldiers there in that garden, mm -hmm. knocking them to the ground with simply the voice that he spoke. Mm. We can impact this world with a powerful voice if we will but speak up. If we would but say something on God's behalf, God has a way of empowering the words that come out of our mouths. Yes. Again, I thought I'd never be in a position like this. Didn't seek a position like this. Wasn't looking for a position like this. Still not looking for a position like this. But thanks be to God, he showed me who I was through a series of dreams and through the laying on hands of somebody. Amen. As he was teaching in the prior services of revival at East Stonewall and he walked past, at least according to what Reverend Miller has told me. He put his hand on my back and I jumped. Now, I didn't see that. I wasn't aware of all of that, but that's what he told me happened. And then that Friday night in revival, when I was in that office snotting and crying, and Bishop, you know, he's always, so what is God dealing with you about? I don't know. But he was calling me. Come and discover who you yes, are. Yes, Come and find out who you are. Yes, I got work for you. I got a voice that I want to empower. Come and tell me all these troubles that you have. And I can deal with those troubles. Come and I'll show you what I need you to do. Come and I'll make it a vessel that I desire you to be. Come and I'll have you walking in a confidence that you never had before. Come and see who you really are. So I came. And that's why I'm standing here today. Because God showed me who I was. But let me give you a worldly example of understanding of this. Rappers. Most of you in here, well, some of you are not old enough to remember old school rap. Amen. Go way back. You know, when Curtis Blow and them first came out, I remember rap first started. Curtis Blow, way back in the day. But then I started realizing we started having people like African Bambada. We started having people like uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. KRS-One. And then we started having people come forward like public enemy. And even that one group from California that people thought were out of their mind, NWA. Now, one of the things that we don't, uh, some people don't understand or this younger generation doesn't understand, they were rapping from a social consciousness. They were rapping about things that were happening in society, police brutality. Murders, even though some of them probably thought they were on the end of those murders, murders and police brutality, the ills of our political system. They were preaching against those things through their raps. They had a voice that was powerful and their voice was being impactful in the world that we live in. How do you know that, Jones? Because they tried to put rap down. Anytime a powerful voice steps up, somebody will try to put that voice down. Anytime a powerful voice begins to rise up, that voice will soon try to be shot down. And when you think about this thing, you begin to understand even in gospel music, mm -hmm. gospel music used to have a real powerful voice in the world. Mm -hmm. But what happened? Just like rap music, it got perverted. Mm -hmm. Rap music is now all about what? Women, money, cars, drugs, and living the high life. Am I lying? No. Make a whole song about taking pills. Am I lying? No. Make a whole song about what? How much money you got? And the truth of the matter is, everything they're flaunting on that video is fake. Mm -hmm. The money don't belong to them. The plane don't belong to them. The cars don't belong to them. The women don't belong to them. 
but they presented it to you like this is the life to live. When you had rappers of old who were trying to tell you how to make your society better. Tupac was trying to school us on how to make things better in our society. They were hipping us to the game that was going on in our society. But every time you turn around, these powerful voices that were speaking, somebody's trying to silence them. Even in this Garden of Gethsemane, there's a powerful voice speaking, but they want to silence that voice. The power of your voice is one thing that you will realize when you get in touch of who you are. Once you discover who you are, you'll understand you have to communicate with the power that comes from God. And understand this too. The third thing that I observed from the text is this. It helps us to carry out our purpose. If you look at verses 7 and 8. He said, then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Now, I told you Jesus was a bad boy, right? Mm -hmm. He asked them a second time. Who are you looking for? Now, notice what it said. I told you mm-hmm. I am he. Now, that, that, you got to put some little attitude with that when he said, I told you I am he. What are you looking for? What more are you looking for? How many times do I have to tell you I'm the one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, a, there's a guy that I like to watch on YouTube for motivation when I want to go to the gym or when I don't want to go to the gym. I watch him and he, he motivates me, but he has this thing. He says, I am the one. And I was listening to him one day. He had me convinced, too. He said, I am the one, the one you've been looking for. I am the one your mama told you about. I'm the one that had you shaking at night. I am the one. I said, yeah, I'm the one. (laughs) Ready to go to the gym. But if you're a Christian, you know there is only one. (laughs) And he said, I am the one. In that garden of Gethsemane, he stood up and said, I am the one. And the second time he said, I told you, I am the one. He said this because he understood that his purpose was to be a sacrifice for humanity. Yes. He came forward and said, I don't know what you're confused about. I told you again, I am the one. I'm the one you're looking for because he knows his destiny. Yes. His destiny is to go to the cross at Calvary, to be a sin debt for humanity. His yes. destiny is to give his life a ransom for many. His destiny yes. is to pay your sin debt and my sin debt. His destiny is to die on that cross at Calvary. So he steps up and says, I am the one. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the one that you came to get. I'm the one that you want to arrest. But notice what he does. He says, and if you're seeking me, let them go. Oh, hallelujah. His purpose was to be a covering and a protector. Yes, sir. Because there in the garden of Gethsemane, you got all of these gentlemen there to get you. And you got three brothers with you. What's to stop them from taking everybody? Mm-hmm. Jesus. And know that it's simply at his word. If you're looking for me, let them go. Yes, sir. And what they do? They let them go. Oh, hallelujah, y'all. <laughs> when you understand the text, he says he was seeking, they were seeking Jesus. Jesus steps to the fore scene, speaks up, declares who he is because he knows who he is. And because he knows who he is and he declares who he is, he then turns and says, these are my disciples, my followers. Let them go. I'm the one that's going to pay the price. I'm the one that's going to die on the cross. I'm the one that's going to go to jail tonight. I'm the one that's going to be beaten tonight. I'm the one that's going to go through six fixed trials. I'm the one. 
So if you're looking for me, here I am. Let them go. Because he was covering them. Hallelujah. Just like he covers you and I. He's covered us with his blood. He's covered us with his prayer. He's covering us every day we mess up in this world. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Covering up for us. Covering on our behalf. Every time Satan goes before him and accuses the brethren. Jesus Christ is right there and say, but that's under the blood. He messed up last night, but it's under the blood. He got drunk last night, but it's under the blood. They fornicated, but it's under the blood. He's a lion of dust. It's under the blood. Because he's our covering. And he's also operating as our protector. Let them go. They're getting out of this garden safe and alive. Why? Because Jesus is their protector. And in case you thought they didn't, remember the rest of the text? Peter cuts off Malchus's ear. That's the only time you have an ear that's named. Amen. (laughs) Malchus's ear. He cuts off his ear and Jesus does what? He said, Peter, put that away. We're not going to win this battle by a sword. And he put Malchus's ear back on. His last miracle, amen. And as he did that, it was a testimony to Malchus. Because I'm pretty sure he was like, by now, I'm I'm not going any further with this. I I don't know who this man is, but he's not like any other. I don't know who he is, but I'm not going to mess with him any further. Because he understood he was covering and protecting his disciples. His purpose was to keep all that the Father had given him. He tells them right there in the text. He says, I... Want you to let them go. And he says he did this because he said to keep the word and to fulfill scripture. Then he says, I will not lose anything the father has put in my hand. Oh, that's good news right there. Because he said, I will not lose anything that the father has put in my hand. Oh, you should be more excited about that because that means you too. That means you've been put in the father's hand. You won't be lost. If you're in the father's hand, you can't be taken out. If you're in the father's hand, Jesus will hold on you with everything that he's got. There'll be nothing that can come and take you out of the hand of Jesus Christ. There'll be nothing that come and take you out of the hand of the son. The son will keep you and deliver you safely that day to the father. The son will deliver you safely at the end of time to the father, Jesus Christ. His hand will be full of believers. His hands will be full of saints. Why? Because I'll never lose anything that the father has gave me. That gave me good news. That gave me joy on the inside. It gave me joy to know who I was, that I was in the hands of the Father, and I couldn't jump out if I wanted to. He wouldn't let me go if I wanted him to. He's going to keep me until the day of redemption. He's going to keep me till the end of time. He's going to keep me. And it's so strange that I wonder about people. We're always talking about God keeping us, and God doing this, and God doing that, but we don't really trust him for our salvation. We trust him for our money, but we won't trust him for our salvation. We trust God in this and trust him in that, but then we act like he can't keep us till the end of time. We act like we can't keep us till salvation day come. We act like he can't hold on to us till out through eternity until God delivers us out of this world. Mm. I thought about something too as I was at the hospital. I said, you know, we we trust God and we think about this and we think about that but then you know they go to the hospital and you know they got this thing called blood tests. And people take blood tests to see if a child is theirs or not. Mm -hmm. I started thinking we can trust God for all this stuff. Even sometimes we can trust God and, and, and we'll have questions. But then how many folk really question that when it comes to birth? You just smiling and happy and the baby's there. And you just, oh, this, and you just move on through life. Mm-hmm. Now there's some folk who do question <laughs> and they, they want to know. But a lot of times what happens is the family and everybody else just accepts the child. Mm-hmm. 
And we move right along as if nothing has ever happened. And then you don't have to worry about it because one thing we look at and say, yep, that's yours. Yep, it looked just like you. Because when we understand who we are, we don't have to worry about God. We don't have to worry about being lost in God. And then I begin to think about people like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Barack Obama. If they didn't know who they were, if they didn't know who they were, if Martin Luther King didn't know who he was, would he have gone through everything that he went through? Would he have gone through Selma, Alabama? Would he have gone through Mississippi? Would he have gone through the South preaching the way that he did, encouraging the folk the way that he did? Would he have marched the way that he did if he didn't know who he was? When death threats were coming to his house, would he have continued if he didn't know who he was? Malcolm X, would he have spoken so boldly and said, by any means necessary, if he didn't know who he was? If Malcolm X didn't know who he was, would he be able to face the things that he has faced? Barack Obama, if he didn't know who he was, would he have been able to come the 44th president of the United States of America? If he didn't know who he was, would he have sat in the White House with integrity and character? Would he, if he didn't know who he was, would he have been able to go through the ridicule that he went through and come out of that thing with his head held high? If they didn't know who they were, they would have never gone through and become the men that they were. They would have never bought us the civil rights movement the way that they did. They would have never became the 44th president to lead this country back from the depths of despair into prosperity if they didn't know who they were. But I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful as I close. When life puts you in that place of crushing, the place called Gethsemane, when it puts you in that place of crushing, you got to know who you are. When the light begins to press down on you, you got to know who you are because things will start coming out of you. Oil will start coming out of you. But if you belong to God, that oil of the spirit will begin to come out of you. Yeah. Good things will begin to come out of you. But if you don't know who you are, when you're in that place of crushing, you'll be cussing. When you don't know who you are, when you're in that place of crushing, you'll be lying. You'll be doing everything you can but the right thing. But when I know who I am and I'm in that place of crushing, when I know who I am and I'm in that place of crushing, the spirit of God rises up and comes out of me. The oil that is on the inside of me begins to ooze out. The oil of Christ oozes out. The oil of God begins to ooze out. The oil of the Holy Spirit begins to ooze out of me. And I say the righteous thing instead of the wrong thing. I say the holy thing instead of the evil thing. Why? Because what's in me begins to come out of me. But I'm in that place of crushing and I know who I am and because I know who I am I deal with the place of crushing why because I know my God has got me here and he'll never leave me nor forsake me but he'll be with me even until the end he knows everything about me he knows even that I was going to be in this place of crushing he knows when I'm going to come out of this place of crushing and because he knows me and because he knows everything about me I'll go through this place of crushing I'll go through here with hope I'll go through here with my head held high why because I know who I am and from that cross, he spoke power. From that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. I don't think it was just for the thieves that were hanging there. I believe it was for all of us. He was saying, Father, forgive them. I'm about to die on this cross. I'm about to give a power on this cross that they've never seen before. And he spoke with power that day. And today, you will be with me in paradise. I'm so grateful that when I die, I'll be in paradise with him. I see that thief that hung on his right-hand side. And I said, Brother, you made a good choice. Brother, you made a good decision that day. You came to your senses. 
You realize that the one hanging next to you was a righteous man. You realize that the one hanging next to you was the son of God. You realize that the one hanging next to you was the one that was going to redeem your soul. And they spoke with power that day. And because he spoke with power, he went to that cross knowing who he was and fulfilled his purpose. To die on that cross for you and for I. To die on that cross that we might have life. To die on that cross that we might have the abundant life. To die on that cross that we might have a right to the tree of life. To die on that cross that our souls would be saved from hell. To die on that cross saving you and me. He came into this sin sick world to save us. To redeem us. But he would have never done it if he didn't know who he was. Because he shows me who he is in this text. He helps me to understand that I need to know who I am. He helps all of us to understand that we need to know who we are. But do you understand the power of knowing who you are? It empowers you to take control of your problems. It empowers you to communicate with power. And it empowers you to go and fulfill your purpose in life. Because we know who we are. I am a child of God. I know who I am today. We would like to thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to be a part of the work at the Wesley Amazon Church as we work the vineyard for God, come and join us at one of our services. Call 704-492-0070 for our service times. We hope to see you soon. God bless.